Hello, my name is Benjamin Gu, and I am the founder and president of Coffee with a Christian. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Today, rather than interview someone else, I'm going to read a message or sermon that I was initially supposed to present at a church back in April, before all this COVID-19 stuff went down. The goal was to describe Coffee with a Christian more in depth and challenge, encourage, and inspire others to get involved in outreach in their community in some way. I just let it sit in the folder for a number of months before realizing that it might be a pretty good podcast. And since we don't know how long things will stay the way they are, I thought I'd just get it out there. On the plus side, now it's even easier for me to share this with others since everything is online now anyways. Now, this isn't the exact original, I've made a few edits. Our society has shifted quite a bit, but the general calling and message is about the same, or maybe even a bit more urgent given the current state of the world. With all of that said, allow me to present you with an audio essay that I have entitled The Social Dilemma of the Church. The odds are that if you're listening to this, then you're a Christian, or at least go to a church. Now, if that's the case, then we should be able to agree that all things are created for the glory of God. Genesis 1, Isaiah 43, 7, John 1, 3, Colossians 1, 16. Frankly, it's all over the Bible. Go ahead and check if you don't believe me. And since most of you weren't born yesterday, none of you will be surprised to learn that just because all things are created for the glory of God, that doesn't mean necessarily that all things are being used for the glory of God. Take, for example, the internet, mobile technology, and big data. These three items are some of the most powerful tools in the Western world for marketing, advertising, and engaging with millions, if not billions, of people on a daily basis. Now, where is God in this? Where is the church? Let's play a little game. I'll say a word, and see if you can come up with a website or mobile app that matches with it. For example, I'll say, find a taxi. And you could say, Lyft, or Uber, something like that. Okay, ready? Let's go. Lust. Gluttony. Greed. Sloth, wrath, envy, pride. Pretty easy, right? Let's try it again. Humility, kindness, patience, diligence, charity, temperance, chastity. Not so easy this time. Why do you think that is? Right now, there's a documentary trending on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. If you haven't seen it, you really should. It explains perfectly the problems that people are facing these days, and if you look closely at it, you can see that the thing that drives social media and online interactions in general is the same thing that drives most of secular society, and that is this. Selfish fear. It's a deep-seated fear, a love of self, a love of money, and we here as the church are supposed to be driven by a brave love instead. A love of God and of our neighbors. To this end, if you look at the progress that the secular world has made in technology and compare it to the progress of the church, it's pretty obvious that we have a lot, and I mean a lot, of catching up to do. If we were to analogize this competition to a racetrack, the secular world, it seems to me, is zipping by in a Porsche or Lamborghini with all the bells and whistles, twin turbo V8 engine, custom rims, ultralight carbon fiber body, and a cherry red exterior, of course. They've got data centers dotted across just about every continent on the planet to host websites that cater to just about every desire in the human heart. These websites track every click, every link, video, session, IP address, and login. Legions of app developers and programmers are devoted to making the user experience as streamlined and as sleek as possible. Marketing teams use targeted ad tracking to just about read your mind. I mean, personally, sometimes I'll just 
think of like a new camera and all of a sudden they're popping up everywhere in ads on the computer. So back to the analogy, where's the church on this racetrack? I mean, we are there. Every church has a website, so that's good. There are a few other Christian organizational websites, some Christian dating apps, a few podcasts, a few YouTube channels. But if I've learned anything from COVID-19 video sermons, going back to the racetrack analogy, I think that maybe at best we're driving around in an old Crown Victoria, maybe a used Toyota Corolla, you know, something you picked up at an auction. Gas mileage, not so great, but it'll pass smog, you hope. One of the doors might be a different color. The rest of it's tan, no judgment, but it is tan. And let's be clear, no one wants to get in this car. Like, we are embarrassingly outclassed in this car. And we're getting lapped constantly. And to be clear, there is no way that this is not a competition. For sure, 100%, no doubt, we are supposed to be at war with the gods of this world. 1 Corinthians 4.4 Against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil. Ephesians 6.12 And if you don't think that we're supposed to be diametrically opposed to the system, then tell me, Christian, why is pornography absolutely wrecking the spiritual lives of so many of your fellow believers? If we can get along with the secular world without any real work here, why should you not feel uncomfortable with your son or daughter and selling Tinder or Grinder or whatever to find a date for tonight? I get the sick feeling that the world wants you, wants me, wants this next generation, almost more than we as the church want to make disciples. This isn't right. We should be more motivated in the secular world to connect with people. People who are out there right now looking for love, connection, meaning, in this digital glittering casino-like landscape that wants nothing more than to chew them up, suck out their value, and then spit them back out. My brothers and sisters in Christ, it looks and feels like we are losing, but this shouldn't be so. What is absolutely crazy is that I think on some level we're supposed to be winning. We have been promised that the gates of hell should not prevail against the church in Matthew 16, 17. That sounds like offense to me, doesn't it? I'll tell you one thing, gates aren't a problem for me when I'm sitting on the couch eating Cheetos. So how do we move forward? How do we fight this? Not just resist it and defend against it, but actually fight it. Fight it and win. We need to turn this game on its head. We need to take the best tools that the secular world has developed and start using them for the kingdom of God. And then, once we get good at that, we'll need to start inventing our own tools. We'll need to start innovating, experimenting, improving. We don't want to get in the habit of sucking their exhaust. That's not how you win a race. Now, if you think about the way that we do outreach and street evangelism today and compare it to the way that modern companies do advertising, it's a joke. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were walking down the street and someone handed you an advertisement that you took seriously? Truly, I want you to actually think about this. When was the last time you were walking down the street and someone handed you an advertisement and your first thought wasn't like, where's the nearest trash can? Hard to remember. Well, that's what handing out tracts is like. Now, let me be clear. I don't want to disparage street evangelism. I do it, and I've had mild success doing it, in fact. But it's not how our culture is engaging anymore. And there's a lot more that we can be doing to invite people into God's kingdom. So let me ask you another question. When was the last time you saw an advertisement online or logged into an app, and someone either met with you or brought you something? All the time, right? Well, that's what we're trying to do. Now, to this end... I want to take a step back and answer a question that I posed earlier. I can tell you with certainty that I do remember the last time someone gave me an advertisement on the street and I didn't throw it away immediately. It was for an Uber. It had promo code for $10 off my first ride and I used it. So that's the first thing I want to talk to you about today. This is the project that we are focused on right now. We invite people to meet up and grab a cup of coffee. 
We advertise online using social media, or I've got these business cards that you hand out, and they both direct you to the app. Then you install the app, and it will match you by gender and location with the nearest Christian volunteer. Now, let's be clear, this, this isn't a tract. You could build it into a tract, and we might do that at some point in the future, but really, the main idea is this. We want to give people a place to go so that they can have a meaningful, God-centered conversation. It's not a tract. This is a new tool that I hope can supplement existing outreach models, including tracks. And before I go too deep in the woods on this, I need to take an aside with you. This app can make things easier. But really, for the church here in the West, outreach and evangelism aren't just a technology problem. Now, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to say. I mean, imagine you walk into a car dealership, and you're about to buy a car, and then the guy pulls you aside and says to you, Listen, you really don't need that car, because I can tell by the look of you that you don't know how to drive, and you're going nowhere. But I'm not a salesman, and in spite of my racetrack analogy, I'm not trying to sell you a car. I'm an IT guy, and a tinkerer at heart. I like to fix things. And there's a big problem in the American church right now, and it needs fixing. Uh, maybe an analogy will help me explain. Imagine that you have a company, and it's really old school. They don't believe in computers or photocopiers or printers. They like the typewriter. They like to handwrite every letter, every ledger, every check. Every memo goes to a copy room or a team of people on typewriters, copy it a bunch of times, and then give other people those copies. Now, what's the problem at the company? Is it a lack of technology? Maybe. More likely than not this day and age, it's leadership. And I say that because I guarantee you that if the leadership at this old school company wanted to change this, it would be done in a second. I'm going to say something, and I mean it for everyone, but unfortunately, if you work at a church, it may hit you a bit harder, but here it goes. Broadly speaking, the church is not doing its job. We're here primarily for one reason, to go and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, 19. We're here to be ambassadors for Christ in our community. 2 Corinthians 5.20 All the other stuff, giving to the poor, serving the community, is supposed to be in service of these things, not the other way around. Is that what we're doing? Is that what your church is doing? Most churches have a lot of programs. It seems like we're addicted to these things, and typically they take away from discipleship and outreach, and no one's willing to talk about it. Well, like an addict that can't admit that he has a problem. I can quit anytime I want, I just choose not to. Well, the church can do outreach and discipleship anytime they want. They just don't want to do it right now. It makes people feel awkward. People will leave. But do you know what most outreach teams at a church look like? It's one person. One person in charge of ministry and outreach. And they do too much. The inbox is always overflowing. The phone number is secret. Heaven help them if it ever gets out. Then you need a new cell phone. The main thing this person can do, if they can keep up with anything at all, is to call or write the foreign missionaries once a month to make sure that they're on track and doing well, and write them a check and report back to the rest of the congregation. That's it. The rest of the time is spent putting out fires, because they're also doing 10 other jobs. And that's what 90% of outreach programs look like at churches across the nation. I don't know if you noticed, but that's not outreach. That's administration. Also, we haven't even touched discipleship yet. But whatever, maybe in another podcast. But I digress. So, back to outreach. Yeah. If your church is extra special, you might have something like a short-term mission trip sponsored once a year, or a new church plant sponsored once a year. It'll sound something like this. We're sponsoring a missionary team that's going to France, or we're sponsoring a short-term mission trip to Haiti, or let's sponsor a food bank, or a clothing drive, or Thanksgiving turkeys. Uh, these are great things to do, truly, they, they are, but they're not real outreach. These are like diet outreach, outreach zero. This is the diet Dr. Pepper of outreach. It tastes more like real outreach. I saved and raised a bunch of money to do a short-term mission trip in Haiti. And we did outreach there, and I couldn't stop thinking, 
Why in God's name aren't we doing this where we live normally? Where do you live? This is likely the long-term mission field that God has planted you in. That's where God wants you to share the gospel. There are a ton of non-Christians near you, especially if you live in America. Why do you need to travel a thousand miles to share the gospel in a foreign land? I get it. It's safer. You won't run into anyone at the hardware store after an awkward conversation. But isn't that kind of the point? That awkwardness? That awkwardness may be the sting of them rejecting Christ. Part of the reason that I started Coffee with a Christian is because I was not satisfied with the way that churches were doing outreach, and I couldn't get my church to do anything about it. And I couldn't find a church anywhere that was trying to do something about this. So I prayed, and I felt called and inspired to do this. And I get that COVID-19 has not been good for churches, or outreach in general. I do. Trust me. But be real with me. Most churches weren't doing outreach or discipleship before the pandemic. And listen, I get that church staff are overworked. They do too much. They do. Underappreciated, even hated, because some people and family members can be less than encouraging of Christianity. I, I, I get it. But if we are fulfilling the Great Commission, it's time to pack it up and go home. It would be like if at a football game, one team just decided to retire the offense and only play defense. How would that work out? We're getting clobbered out there, and the secular world is only getting more sophisticated and better at this. So, with all of that context, what can we here at Coffee with a Christian do to help? Truly, I mean that. I want to help. I want to help any and every church that is in this to do their job. If we can agree on the Nicene Creed, and you're not adding a bunch of weird cult stuff, let's get out there. Let's work together. Let's do this. And with that said, I want to bring it back to the app. Why an app? What's so great about an app? What's wrong with the app that my church currently has? Well, okay, let's start with some basics. This isn't about a mobile app. This is about engaging with people online. And I believe that we can do this here at Coffee with a Christian in at least three distinct ways. First, this approach makes it easier for seekers to receive the gospel. Second, our model makes it easier for Christians to share the gospel. And finally, this model provides us with access to data that will allow the church as a whole to improve outreach methodologies. I'm going to repeat that, and then I'll go into a bit of depth later. So we make it easier for people to receive the gospel, we make it easier for people to share, and then we improve how we do outreach. So first, we make it easier for seekers to receive the gospel. Now, over the past 15 to 20 years, social relationships have moved online. Any Barna or secular poll will tell you this. So if we want to reach the society around us for Christ, we're going to have to meet them here. This is our modern-day agora, or marketplace, especially now with COVID-19. This is where people are getting together. And even though this is where we meet new people, we don't want to leave it here. Most online platforms are content to leave the interaction online entirely, just as long as you spend money. Our platform is designed to transform these online interactions into a real-world event in such a way that the online outreach results in real-life human connections. In this way, I, a happily married man, can broadly invite my entire online social network to get coffee. And then I don't need to feel awkward if a young woman responds, because she won't be meeting up with me, she'll be meeting up with another woman who lives in her area. And that touches on another way that this makes it easier for people to reach out, because a recent Barna poll showed that more than 6 in 10 non-Christians and lapsed Christians said that they would be open to talking about faith matters with someone who listens without judgment. This is the top quality that they value. But here's the thing. Only one-third sees this trait in Christians that they know personally. I believe that we can capitalize on this space. Now, hear me out. 
If you had a work colleague in your office invite you to get coffee and talk about their religion, regardless of whether or not you have similar beliefs, it might be smart to turn them down. These relationships have baggage, and conversations about religion can get awkward real fast. There's a big downside if the conversation doesn't go well, because you still need to work with this person five days a week. I mean, this is why it's a bad idea to date someone in your office when you're younger. Well, our platform overcomes this hurdle by providing a neutral party for people to connect with. So you can invite someone in your office to learn more about God, and since they don't need to meet up with you specifically, you can just leave it at that. And finally, we make it easier for seekers to receive the gospel by providing an open invitation. We aren't just saying, you need to meet with me on my schedule. No, instead, we widen the invitation. We're now saying, if you ever want to meet up, if you ever want to get together with anyone, someone will be there for you and meet you where you're at. You can say no now, but if something happens, say a family member gets sick or dies or romance fails, you can change your mind. We can be there for them. That's how we can make it easier for them to receive the gospel. Point two, sharing. The second way that this new tool helps is it makes it easier for Christians to share the gospel. The crowdsourced application makes it easier to share by lowering the bar to entry into evangelism. Look, if you asked 100 people at your church to stay out late on a Friday night witnessing for Christ, most people will turn you down, and for good reason. We're busy modern people. Well, unfortunately, you don't have that excuse anymore, and I'll tell you why. First, we've streamlined the volunteer process. Volunteer sign-up typically takes less than two minutes. You don't have time for that? Well, let's check your screen time function on your phone. How much time are you wasting? More than two minutes? Sorry, bad excuse. Well, you say, I, I can't be bothered to work this into my schedule. Literally, this will build itself into your schedule. It's flexible, not a good excuse. I, I don't wanna to have to go too far out of my way. Well, don't worry, we're only gonna bother you about people that live or work a few blocks away from you. But modern people don't want Christian ideas pushed on them. I don't agree with this on a fundamental level, but fine, we'll only send you warm leads, people that are literally asking to know more about God. And the last excuse, I don't know enough. Well, you know more than they do, or at least you should. And if not, then you can learn. Not a good excuse. Look, if this is where you're at, I can't make this any easier for you. Can you just admit that for whatever reason, you don't want to share your faith? And you're not alone when you have this sentiment. This is a big problem in the church today. And I'll come back to this later, but most of the above issues are real logistical hurdles. I get it, but they can be overcome pretty easily with this new technology. So stop making excuses, get off the bench, and get out there. When I first started this project, I took Christians that turned me down to do outreach on their face value. I gave them the benefit of the doubt and designed this tool to meet them where they're at to try to create a new class of volunteer. And I still genuinely believe if I said to most Christians, hey, someone that lives a few blocks away from you wants to know more about God, would you go and buy them a cup of coffee? Most Christians will step up and make it happen. And that's what I'm asking you to do. If Christ has truly made an impact in your heart and in your life, then I know that you'll be willing to do this. I'm just trying to make it easier for you to share your faith. And now for the final point, improve. How do we improve the way that we do outreach? This model helps us improve how we do outreach by utilizing the same marketing strategies employed by the secular market. We can run gospel campaigns that are targeted, faster, cheaper, and also provide extremely valuable data about the effectiveness of our outreach. Some of our early outreach experiments demonstrated that we can reach thousands of people for a fraction of the cost by reaching out online through social media. For example, during our Valentine's Day campaign, 
the cost to invite someone to get coffee was just over half a cent. This means that we were able to spend $100 and invite over 16,000 people to go and get coffee. Not only this, but new online marketing tools allow us to automatically track interactions between seekers and in-person and online outreach. We're also able to track interactions between the website, the mobile application, and volunteers. This data collection then further allows us to focus on successful outreach so that we can replicate that success across markets and expand the outreach even further. From a practical perspective, this means that we can help a church tailor their outreach strategies germane to their demographic. For example, if you go to a modern advertising agency and ask them how to best sell toasters to a middle-aged white man living in the suburbs of Chicago, they can give you a stack of data, a literal ream of data thousands of pages long. Ask that same agency how to best reach the same demographic for Christ, and you're likely to get blank stares. This shouldn't be the case. If you believe that all things are created for the glory of God, then big data and AI were created for the glory of God. We just need to start using that way. God provides us with hammers and nails. We decide whether to build an orphanage or cave in each other's skulls. The tools are just tools. As fellow laborers in the kingdom, we either purpose them for his kingdom or not. So that's how we're aiming to use coffee with a Christian. But before I let you go, let me tell you something personal that motivates me and I hope will encourage you. I believe that at the end of this age, God is going to separate the sheep and the goats. I don't want to look to my left or right and see people that I knew and have them accuse me, rightly, I might add, of not sharing the gospel with them. I mean, think of that. You knew. You knew about all of this. You knew that Christ is the King. He was coming. And that his death on the cross was the only means of salvation. I'm going one way. They're going another. And they could rightly call out and say, why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you at least try to tell me about this? That stings. Then to face God and have him say, you had some of the most powerful tools at your fingertips to speak and share the gospel, and you did nothing? I can tell you with certainty today that now my conscience is clear. I tried to tell them. I gave everyone I knew, and even people I don't, an open invitation to get coffee and have a real conversation about this. And I'm giving you this opportunity too. And if we get turned down, that's not on us. Let me be clear. You don't have to do evangelism this way. If this isn't personal enough for you, that's fine. But we have a duty, a responsibility, and the privilege of being ambassadors for Christ. So if you don't want to reach out to the people you know this way, then please, I implore you, I beg you, to find your own way. Not some nebulous, I'll get around to it way. I mean, really, set goals. I come from the business community, and when I need to get things done, I plan, and I use what are called SMART goals. It's an acronym, and it stands for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Realistic, Time-Bound, SMART. And I have a SMART goal for you. So let me lay it out here for you as a challenge. Specific, invite one non-Christian person to go and get coffee, where spirituality and Christianity are the backdrop of the conversation. Measurable, did you do this? Yes or no? Achievable, you interact with people all the time. Realistic. I mean, come on here. One. One person. How hard is that? Time bound. One month. God willing, one month. Look, if I hammered your conscience today, I'm actually okay with that. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, and you are more than friends. I'm reminded of another verse. 2 Corinthians 7.10 For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Guilt is a complicated topic, but I heard an illustration once that really helped me work through it. 
Guilt is like a rude plumber. Your faucet is leaking. He comes in. He fixes the issue. But most of the time, our guilt doesn't leave. He sits down in the living room. He puts his feet up and asks, What's for dinner? Nothing, man. Not for you anyway. Get out. Guilt has a job to do, and you need to let him do his job. And then after, and I want to stress this, after guilt has done his job, kick him out and get back to normal life. You can invite someone to go and get coffee. You can listen to them, and then you can talk to them about your faith, share your testimony. And if I pricked your conscience today, but as a result, you try to share your faith just once, I guarantee when we're in God's kingdom, you will not regret reaching out to share your faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection, for allowing us to take part in your great commission. Father, I pray for the hearts and souls of those who you reach out to, that they would come to know you, know your Son, as both Lord and Savior, that they would come to be in a personal relationship with you through your Son, and that the Holy Spirit would bring about conviction, repentance, and salvation to all those that you have called, and that you would use this church, the body of believers, to advance your kingdom. Father, may your harvest be plentiful. May we seek your face as we seek others for your kingdom. I ask for boldness, not just for myself, but for everyone listening. Thank you for the many hands and hearts that have made this ministry possible. I ask that you would sustain this work. Use us, Lord, for your kingdom and for the glory of your Son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining me today in this little social experiment. To continue the conversation, check out our app and connect with one of our volunteers. Or invite someone in your circle of friends to have a God-centered discussion. If you like what you heard, please recommend it to a friend and be sure to subscribe and give us a positive review in the Apple Podcast Store. It really helps people find the show. As a bonus, I'll read a shout out to you in the next episode. And finally, if you're able to, please consider supporting this ministry financially. Until the end of October, we have a special matching opportunity where all donations can be double matched up to $2,500. So check out our donate page on the website and prayerfully consider adding this ministry to your end of year giving. Coffee with a Christian is a registered 501c3 and all donations are tax deductible. Thanks for checking us out. May God bless you and Christ be praised.